Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Sports fans, what a time to be alive. You've got the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, baseball's in full swing. Hell, even softball on the college level is going on right now. And, of course, football is year-round. And with sports, of course, you also have gambling. That's right, gambling like a bride and a groom, peanut butter and jelly, chocolate and peanut butter. Sports and gambling just goes together. And if you're going to gamble on sports, do it at Bet Online. That's right, Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, now recording live as part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the returning two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, returning from vacation, Dr. Christopher Colin. Christopher, how in the hell are you, my friend? Oh, refreshed, my friend. Just came back from Jacksonville Beach. Actually, literally the first time I'm removing this neck pillow. Uh, I should probably remove that. It'd look weird if I go to the store with it on, so... Uh, yeah, my neck was getting sweaty. Love it, man. A little sun, a little sunburn, watching some rugby tournaments in Jacksonville, hitting the beach. It was a blast. Well, we're, we're happy to have you back. I'm uh, happy to see that you robbed Keith Byers of his shoulder beds there as you rock those. Uh, I actually met team. Mike Hole in Jacksonville and stole his shoulder beds. So <laughs> uh, I told him a big Dolphins fan. He, he, he looked the other way. I ran off with him. It took me, my son, and three of the rugby players to, to, to haul him off, but uh, hole them off, I guess. But yeah, Mike Hole's uh, linebacker pads are now my neck pillow for the <laughs> airplane. And your and your emergency apartment in case shit goes south at the house there. So uh, no, welcome back. Thank you to Travis Wingfield for joining us on the last episode of Perfectville. And uh, coming up in segment number two, I promise, uh, the return of Kevin Dern, uh, Dolphins talk writer, as well as former pod- podcast co-host for the Finalysis podcast with Travis Wingfield. Kevin Dern is going to be joining me, Chris. Uh, we actually did this interview when you were on vacation, talking about all things Miami Dolphins. And he, he throws some doozies out there, man. He throws some haymakers as to where he thinks the Miami Dolphins may go this offseason into the preseason, into the regular season in terms of teams or players that might be going elsewhere. Uh, some There's some names in there that I think are going to shock some people. But uh, thanks again to Travis. Thanks to Kevin. But it's it's just it's a different place when Chris Cullen isn't here. The town of Perfectville is raining. There's clouds. It's, it's just a windy, dirty, dusty place. But now that you're back, the sun is out. Like you said, you got a tan. And uh, it's time to talk some Miami Dolphins. What do, you th- what do you say? Yeah, thanks for not changing the locks on me. Thank you, Travis and Kevin, for covering. Pretty nice. You get uh, a little vacation, and the guy that fills in for you works for the Miami Dolphins. So that works pretty sweet for me and for you and for our listeners as well. And that's why you keep your friends, guys. Keep your friends. Don't burn bridges ever. Yeah, this is what I do. Every time Chris goes on vacation, I'm just going to get somebody a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger. So like the third vacation from now, I'm just going to have the president of the United States of America just on the show for 15 minutes talking about the Miami Dolphins. Speaking of the Miami Dolphins of 15 minutes, I'm putting 15 minutes on the clock, Chris. And let's just get into it. Let's talk about all things Miami Dolphins. Are you ready? Born ready, my friend. All right. Well, uh, it seems like we may have talked about this already, uh, but uh, for the first time ever, I swear to God, this isn't anything that Chris and I did and I forgot to hit record or anything like that. Yeah, was I on vacation or you? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, look, in all fairness, uh, just so everybody knows, we did this 15-minute segment and everything was going right. And it was a fantastic 15-minute segment. And I looked down and realized I had not hit record uh, for Chris and I. So we are going to be recording. Don't worry. This is one of our first episodes. We're now almost 200 episodes oh, deeper. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speaking of 200 episodes, that's a good reminder. Actually, episode 200, Chris, and for all the citizens of Perfect Bill, will be the return of the Finzies. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is how Chris became a two-time Hall of Famer, was at the Finzies. We're going to have all kinds of special guests. We're going to have a couple of new Hall of Fame inductees. We're going to have all kinds of just fun awards to give out to our citizens, to our guests, to our episodes, to the team. Uh, just a fantastic time all the, all the way around. Uh, it, it was canceled last year due to COVID and laziness on our part, but uh, we're bringing back the Finzies here for episode 200. It's going to be a rip-roaring, howling good time there, Chris. Blame COVID. We we're just way too lazy to do it. <laughs> it's fucking COVID's fault, man. It's not our anytime that we don't do anything from here on for like you could use COVID for anything. Like, you know, it's like, can you take the garbage? You're like, bitch, there's COVID out there. I can't take the garbage out. What are you talking about? You just get you can do it for the next three years. You COVID yeah. just blame it for everything. Check the mail. There could be COVID on the envelopes. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't change my baby's diapers. What if he shit COVID? I have no idea. But um, speaking of COVID and blaming COVID, one person who did not blame COVID for his performance last year was Tua Tunga by with Chris. He came out earlier today. OTA started today for the Miami Dolphins and he made himself available to the media. And the big thing that came out of this interview, there was a lot of good nuggets there, Chris, but the main thing that I heard and uh, that I felt was probably the most compelling. And I think everyone else feels the same way is the fact that Tua Tunga by said that, there were certain, I guess, handcuffs on him last season as a rookie because he didn't fully grasp and understand the playbook. Therefore, there were certain things that he could not do that Ryan Fitzpatrick could do as an example. So I remember watching this last year and on Dolphins Twitter and on Dolphins Reddit, Dolphins Facebook, everyone was talking about how the playbook and the play calling was so much different between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungabailoa when they were both in the game. And I remember thinking, no, that's not true. It's just situational. You guys are, you know, dreaming this up. Turns out I was wrong. They were right, Chris. The playbook was completely different for Tua Tungabailoa than it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Tua flat out said today that that's because he was not fully prepared. He didn't completely understand the playbook for the Miami Dolphins' his rookie season. And he's taking full ownership of that and saying that that will not happen in season two and beyond. And he's working hard and diligent to make sure that that does not happen going into his sophomore season. Uh, what do you make of Tua Tungabailoa coming out and saying, hey, I just wasn't prepared? Interesting. Uh, also proves right. Like you said, a lot of the folks that are saying that there's some beat writers that are saying he didn't have a good grasp of the playbook. Um, two things though, that I don't think this is too big of a deal is a lot of people are going to make it. Um, it, it just shows just leadership. You know, he didn't come out and say, Hey guys, what do you want me to do? I'm going to Matt Collins and heading off to Savet Ahmed. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, he, he jumped on the grenade captain America style and, and, and took blame for it. Rightfully. So that's what you want from your guy. And Hey man, he was honest and candid, but that, that sounds good for a couple guys like me that, uh, and you that host a podcast and want nuggets, real nuggets, not robot talk. Like, you know, we're on the Cincinnati, you know, this guy came out and was pretty damn honestly, brutally honest with himself and with everybody nationally, locally, um, and said, hey, guys, I just didn't prepare hard enough. I didn't uh, read the playbook and learn it as well as I could have. He even mentioned like he couldn't audible if he wanted to. He said things like that the wrong play was called and he knew it wasn't going to work. He had to just try to like will it to work, which is pretty interesting and, and terrible when it comes to NFL football. You kind of you, you see that they're overloaded to the side. You're going to run a screen that way. You should be able to check out of it. And he wasn't. So hopefully we see a whole nother Tua Tungabailoa and a whole better Miami Dolphins offense moving forward. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting, too, because everyone's saying, hey, he's the next great quarterback, you know, the next best quarterback since Dan Marino. But they couldn't be more polar opposite between the two. <laughs> Tua looked at the problems that happened last year and said, hey, it's on me. I remember famously Dan Marino coming out and somebody said, hey, you threw 420 touchdown passes, 252 interceptions. How many of those interceptions were your fault? And Dan Marino looked at him and dead serious said, none of them. They were all on the wide receivers. So, I mean, <laughs> you talk about somebody who takes the blame and puts it all on his own shoulders like he is Mike Hall and Tua Tagovailoa and Dan Marino said, it wasn't my fucking fault, you know, Blame Keith Byers, blame Mark Ingram, blame all these people that aren't me because they're the ones who fucked up, who ran the wrong route or tipped the ball in the air or whatever the case may be, wasn't on me. Uh, I almost would like to see that, though. I'd like to see Tua come out and start blaming some of these guys and say, hey, look, yeah, I didn't understand the playbook, but I didn't understand why Matt Collins was a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. Uh, and to your point, I mean, I, I guess I'm finally glad that Chan Gailey is gone because if he did even give him the opportunity to do checkdowns or to do any sort of, you know, checkoffs or, or audibles, like you really are setting up your rookie quarter back to fail in that right I mean can't you give him a little bit of leeway and if not if not Chris then why the hell was he in there why was he starting games as a rookie if he wasn't prepared and he wasn't ready and they knew as much by you know essentially letting him go out there and say call this play and only this play even if it fails I mean that just seems like a head scratcher to me yeah, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying that like Tua is making himself look bad. Honestly, I think this makes Brian Flores look bad because he's come out and said multiple times that uh, the reason why they kept benching Tua is because the playoffs were on the line and Ryan Fitzpatrick gave him a better chance in that moment. In that case, then you bench Tua all 16 games. That's it. Like, I don't care if he's doing well in practice. Let the damn guy heal. Let him learn behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and let Fitzy go out there and finish the season. Why, you know, sprinkle him in there and then, oh, well, we got to, you know, break the glass for emergency because the playoffs are still on the line, especially if the guy doesn't have a 100% grasp of the playbook. And they obviously knew that in you know, practices and game film study and things like that. They know they had to dumb down the offense. Why even do it in the first place is a great question, Sam. And I hope somebody asks it at one point to Brian Flores uh, because that needs answering. Yeah, it really does. But, you know, something else that uh, needed some answering, and I think we got some answers, were some from some of the teammates of Tua Tungavailoa because, you know, the, the the media, they can say what they want about Tua. You and I can say what we want about Tua. But it really boils down to what the coaches and the players think about Tua Tungavailoa. And one of the leaders on offense and one of the leaders for the Miami Dolphins, one of the best players that we have, is tight end Mike Gesicki. You guys may have heard of him. Well, he came out today during OTAs and basically, Chris, I'm paraphrasing and kind of, you know, changing the quote a little bit, but basically said, you know, you're not here. You're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Tua Tungvalu is being shit on by people who shouldn't be taking shits at all. And I'm excited for him to be my quarterback here in 2021 and beyond. Uh, what do you think of Mike Kosicki, one of the best players on the Miami Dolphins and a legit weapon in the NFL coming out and basically full on endorsing Tua Tungvalu in his sophomore season as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? Look, I'm not going to say he's in a contract year and he wants Tua to throw him the football, but that's what you got to say if you want Tua to throw you the football. But honestly, he he was dead serious. He's been very blunt before and honest. Coming from a guy that's uh, best friends with Ryan Fitzpatrick and love the guy a lot, that says a lot about Tua and how hard he works, and I love it. Uh, actually, I know the exact word he used, and it was uneducated, Sam. He said they're uneducated takes about Tua Tungavailoa. So um, he's excited to play with him. He said the locker room is excited to have him, and he's glad he's his quarterback. You got a big, huge target like Mike Kosicki, one of the rising stars in the league coming out and having your back on day one. That's, uh, that's everything you want as a Dolphins fan and more. It absolutely is. And I think Mike Kosicki wants more for not only himself, but the other tight ends in the room there, Chris, because he actually came out and basically flat out said they're going to bribe the offensive coordinators and the offensive coaching staff here for the Miami Dolphins here in 2021 so they can figure out a way to get five tight end sets 
on the field for the Miami Dolphins in 2021. He wants to not only eat himself, but have eat himself, but he, he not only wants to eat, but he also wants everybody else in the tight end room to eat as well. That's what I was trying to say there, Chris. You know, I don't pay attention to a lot of local coverage of other NFL teams, but Mike Gusecki, to me, from what I've noticed, is one of the more vocal guys that totally love his room. Like he's always talking about Darren Smythe. He's always talking about Shaheen and that tight end room and how, how much he likes it. Um, and likes the guys and how close knit they are. So yeah, get them out there and let's fuck around and do something crazy. Let's get Lynn Bowden and uh, Malcolm Perry, both at split back quarterback too. You don't know who's taking the snap, who's, who's throwing it, who's running with five tight ends. Let's just fuck around, do it. Ryan Flores already does it with the defense with everybody standing up and you don't know who's rushing. Do the same thing on offense. I'm all for it. Two offensive coordinators, five tight ends, two quarterbacks. Let's get crazy. Let's get I, weird. I think you take 11 dice and you have the different numbers for the different offensive players and you put five dice in one Yahtzee cup and six dice in the other Yahtzee cup. And you have both offensive coordinators shake it and throw it down on the table. And wherever the dice line up, that's how we line up on offense. That's what I want to see. I just want to see a Yahtzee offense where we just have people scattered all over the place where Mike Isicki's lined up behind Durham Smythe, who's lined next to Tua Tungavailoa, who's snapping the ball to the kicker. Right, something like that. I want to see something crazy. Let's just get weird in 2021 with the offense. But let's wait till we're up like 35 nothing first. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we don't opening, come out. opening snap. We don't want week two, you know, season opener uh, at home against the Buffalo Bills and we get the ball first and all of a sudden we're like, okay, let's try some weird shit. And we're like, well, wait a minute, hold on. Let's, let's just wait. Let's, let's pretend we're up like by 12 runs in the bottom of the or top of the ninth inning and we're going to let the outfielder pitch, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, although that's pretty much, I'll ask you, I'll throw it to you. That's pretty much guaranteeing that Buffalo's calling a timeout. No, like they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, that's a good timeout early. That's a that's a good strategy. It's like when you're in a in a fantasy football league where you where you're in a dynasty league and you're in an auction league and you just auction a kicker right off the you just nominate a kicker in round one and make somebody spend four dollars on a kicker and then later they can't get a running back because they spent all their money on a kicker. I that's like so that. Just up. line up something fucking weird. First play of the game against the Buffalo Bills, make them burn a timeout and see if it comes back to haunt them later when they're up by 32. I like it. I like it, Chris. Yeah, put Lynn Bowden at quarterback and Christian Wilkins at running back, and then just five tight ends across the board, and they're just like they're looking at each other, looking at like their notes and like just time out, time out, time out. And if they do make a snap at Sam, if they make a snap it, then you just let Christian Wilkins lead block up the middle and Lynn Bowden follow behind him, get a gain of three yards and then run your actual offense out there. But yeah, play a little chess, see if they can uh, burn a timeout early in the first quarter, first drive. That'd be huge. And think about that. You said Christian Wilkins at running back. Um, it's curious here, Chris, thinking about the Miami Dolphins and this offense. You have so much so much firepower that they've added to the wide receiving core. Obviously, the tight ends that we talked about, Tua coming into his second year, just super dedicated to making sure he is a success as a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Um, and then you have Le'Veon Bell. Yes, that Le'Veon Bell, who we tried really hard to, to sign last season, Chris, for the playoff push, coming out and uh, really basically putting the old you know eyeballs on social media when he looked at the Miami Dolphins offense and the firepower that's there. What do you make of Le'Veon Bell kind of you know making it known that perhaps he w- might be okay coming to South Beach and playing for the Miami Dolphins in 2021? I don't think it's a secret that he really was close to coming here and I think wanted to play for Brian Flores. A lot of the guys do. I mean, Brian Flores not only him running on the field during that Bengals game after all those cheap shots to literally fight someone on the sideline of the opposing team. Not only is that cool as shit and you're like, man, I want to play for that guy, but just his overall demeanor and his coaching, he's going to be a coach like Mike Tomlin in this league for a very, very long time. And the other players 
want to play for that guy. So Le'Veon Bell, I think, was very close to doing that. He just wanted to go win a Super Bowl, Kansas City, and he very, very closely did that. Now, I thought it was cool when someone said, you know, you know, uh, all the firepower of the Dolphins. He said, indeed, with like you said, the the old uh, monocle there. Um, he's he's paying attention. It just the money has to be right, but it's definitely a guy I would like, wouldn't mind pairing with Gaskins or uh, Malcolm Brown from the Rams that we got um, for a little thunder lightning action, but the, the, the money has to be there and it really, he's dropped off a little bit. So I don't know how much I want to bring him or Todd Gurley and just run with who we got. Yeah. I'm wondering if Le'Veon Bell is strategically, you know, not signed yet because he doesn't want to do OTAs. He doesn't want to do mini camps. He doesn't really want to do, you know, the, the whole off season regimen and just basically sign a little bit later, get his money when it, where he can come in as, you know, uh, a running back by committee talent, as opposed to the main guy. I don't know if he wants to be the main guy anymore. It doesn't seem like he does, which is fine. He doesn't have to be, uh, but putting him in that running back room with Malcolm Brown, with, you know, uh, uh, Jared Dokes, if he were to make the team, the, the rookie for the Miami Dolphins, and of course, Miles Gaskins there, uh, who's looking quite different as well. I don't know if you see the pictures of him at OTAs, but uh, he's got a whole new look going for Miles Gaskins. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's taking this whole RB1 very seriously, but putting Le'Veon Bell in that room, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's intriguing because the talent is there. He's still young enough to, to have fresh enough legs, but I don't know if Le'Veon Bell's attitude is what is really going to jive. Like, I don't think he's running to the TNT wall, I guess is what I'm talking about, Chris. If Le'Veon Bell messes up up and you know coach says hey man you know take a lap i think Le'Veon bell's like i'm just gonna go to the parking lot and leave i don't feel like i'm gonna run you know is, is that is that the attitude he's gonna bring if he were to come to the miami dolphins yeah that's the second time i'm gonna use a captain america reference but he'll he'll say uh no i don't think i will <laughs> like i'm not running to that wall that's not happening so yeah 29 years old for a running back um especially one that was heavily used in pittsburgh uh in the beginning of his career um i don't know it, it kicked the tires on him if he can help i, I, I agree with you i don't know about how that's going to help. All I know is he's under 30, so he fits my bill. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, the influx of 30-year-old-plus players to the Miami Dolphins, as well as players that have visited the Miami Dolphins that are well over the age of 30 in segment number three. Uh, but this is going to do it for segment number one, just talking about the Miami Dolphins, bringing Chris back from vacation, joining us here in the town of Perfectville, the town he helped found. And uh, we're going to take a break here and I'm going to take you to an interview I did with Kevin Dern right after these words. Patchvibes.com is still the best place to get all of your best patches, stickers, hats, t-shirts, all things Miami sports swag. The Don Shula patch, the Laramie Tunzel pot smoking draft day patch, the Miami Vice t-shirt, all things Miami Dolphins, Miami Heat, Miami Marlins, Miami sports scene can be found at patchvibes.com. Check it out. Joining us now, back in the town of Perfectville for the first time in, well, I don't know, close to a year or so, uh, is the former co-host of the Finalysis podcast, now currently a writer for DolphinsTalk.com, as well as, I don't know, a professional podcast host. And uh, as I've said before, one of the most underrated follows when it comes to Dolphins news and views on the interwebs, uh, Mr. Kevin Dern. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great, Sam. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's good to be back in uh, Perfectville. Yeah, man. We put the lights up. We opened up the gates. Uh, we've been trying to do this. You and I have been talking about getting you back on the show for probably about three to four weeks. We've been trying yeah. to make this work, but between you know real life and kids and animals and everything else, we weren't able to do it until right now. So uh, thank you for hanging in there and being patient. But uh, mm-hmm. it's an exciting time to be a Dolphins fan, is it not? Yes, definitely. Definitely. So 
uh, just kind of enjoying the uh, study of all the prospects after the draft and uh, ready for training camp. You know, uh, I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan and they are not good this year. So it's going to be a long couple months <laughs> to uh, get the football season. You know what I love about that statement, Kevin, is that when you do a podcast, especially when you do a weekly one about sports, you, you run the risk of it not being evergreen, meaning it's only good for a finite amount of time. And then afterwards, nobody's going to go back and listen to that week. But the fact that you said the Cincinnati Reds aren't good this year allows me to be able to use this for a very long time, because that statement has been true ever since Barry Larkin retired, unfortunately, for you yeah. being a Cincinnati Reds fan. <laughs> but uh all kidding aside uh here's how i actually like the cincinnati reds growing up they were a fun team to watch um they Mm -hmm. had some good players and uh, i remember them winning that world series with barry larkin and everybody else so it was uh good times but um um let's start with the draft because that's what you talked about analyzing those prospects and Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the things that you do best is just you know how do how do these pieces fit and in this case how do these pieces fit for the miami dolphins so let's just start with um, all the draft picks that the Miami Dolphins made, what was the pick that had you the most excited out of everyone that they picked a couple of weeks back? Most excited, uh, I would have to say Jalen Waddle. And I, I know you guys probably know me, and that probably doesn't sound like the answer I would typically give. But uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe the yeah. other Jalen based on uh, yeah. how you how you love so, defense. So um, I had kind of just pieced together a bunch of things, and I know Barry Jackson kind of put a couple pieces out the week or two before. And I kind of just came to the conclusion that it's either going to be him or Devonte Smith. And just kind of looking back at some of the first round picks that Chris Greer has made, you know, other than Tua who coming off the hip injury, he hasn't been like super, you know, willing to take a risk. And I feel like Devonte Smith was the safer of the two between he and Waddle. So to get Jalen Waddle and to add that speed element, and, and not have it be Ted Ginn and his family this time around was awesome. Uh, so I was really excited by that. And then um, I really liked uh, the pick of Javon Holland. Uh, I'd seen him play a couple times, really good player. I wasn't quite sure of the fit because it seemed like they kind of had a log jam at safety. And then they ended up getting uh, releasing Bobby McCain the next week. This makes a little more sense now. But uh, those two picks really um, were the ones that kind of were like, okay, this has my attention. This team had a pretty nice draft class, I thought, overall. You know, and you you, you just hit on something that I think is um, very good analysis on your point, Kevin, and that's Chris Greer doesn't like to take a lot of risks when it comes to the actual draft pick. And like, he's a little bit of a riverboat gambler when it comes to trading, right? Mm-hmm. So trading for players, trading picks, you know, accumulating picks. But when it comes time to, all right, Chris, we need you to turn the card in. You're right. He seems to get a lot of guys that are, are, are high floor, you know, uh, type of guys, right? Meaning there's only so far that they're not going to progress. Yeah. And Christian Wilkins was that way. Um, you know, Tua obviously coming off the hip injury, but, you know, the hip injury aside, Tua was about as good as a guarantee as you could possibly get. Uh, Austin Jackson is a guy who's always going to perform to at least a minimum level of, of um, you know, performance there. And I think you're right. I think that's, that seems to be the MO for Chris Greer is give me guys who can contribute right away that can contribute positively. And hopefully they can, you know, maximize their potential with this coaching staff and their own, you know, onboard talents. But um, we at least know what we're going to get day one. I think that's excellent analysis. And you're right. I think between the two, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, um, I think you look at Devonte Smith and he's a little more celebrated and you go, that would probably be the pick. But um, the more and more I look at this, Jalen Waddle, before he got injured, his, his last season yeah 
Devontae Smith doesn't have all right. those, those accolades. Right. Yeah. I think Devontae Smith said it himself. He doesn't win the Heisman if Waddle didn't get hurt. So, um, but either way, I, I love the amount of speed they added between Waddle and, and Will Fuller this year. Like, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like. And yeah, that's the first time I've said that in a, in a long time. <laughs> no, I would, I would totally agree with you too. Uh, Chris and I were talking last off season about, you know, it's great to have Preston Williams and it's great to have Devonte Parker, but what do we have behind that? Because we had a couple of veterans who I think we're going to shore up that wide receiver room opt out due to COVID. And we didn't know what we had. And we're like, man, if Preston Williams gets injured or Devonte Parker gets injured, we don't know what we have. And that's, exactly what ended up happening and if you look at you know who was on the field week 17 with the playoffs on the line against the buffalo bills i mean i think we were one injury away of you and me being you know on the miami dolphins that week so uh to shore that up with speed to shore that up with uh with somebody that knows Tua tunga by and just to help develop him as a quarterback i think is a home run uh flip side of that coin though kevin what was the pick that the miami dolphins had that um that made you scratch your head a little bit and go wow i did not see that coming uh, for me, and, and this is no knock against the player, it's more the position was Hunter Long. Yeah. Um, I actually had him as my number, I think, three or four tight end. I'd have to go back and listen to my own podcast episode on that. But, um, you know, I think I read, I'd have to fact check myself on this, but I think I read like the tight end room last year, Yasiki Smythe and Shaheen collectively as a unit. I think that was the best season in franchise history in terms of catches, yards, and touchdowns. And they've had some pretty good tight ends over the years. Um, so that was kind of surprising to me that they made not only Hunter Long a pick, but they also signed Seathan Carter from the Bengals. And then now they've added Mel Blunt's kid. I don't know what – that seems to be like a George Godsey pet project type thing every year. But um, I feel like they put the crosshairs on Durham Smythe and were just like, okay, you've got to really win your job this year. We just took a kid in the third round. And the other factor is I don't think people realize it over the last two years, I believe Durham Smythe led the team in special teams tackles. And he was behind Walt Aikens one year and behind, um, oh, I can't think of the other guy, Fedulum last year. But collectively those two years, he had the most special teams tackles. And then, you know, that's kind of what Seath and Carter is, is a special teamer. So that was a little surprising to me that they took that that shot at a tight end in round three, especially with some of the other players still on the board, maybe some of the centers. I know um, Quinn Miners was still there. Um, I can't think of the other center that was still on the board, but there were two of them that I knew that, you know, Miami had been linked to and they, they took Hunter long there. So that was the, that was the surprising moment for me. I'm exactly with you, 100% with you, because it was funny. Chris and I, as we went through the offensive positional um, rooms during the offseason, the one thing that we guaranteed is that the Miami Dolphins would not be big spenders on tight ends in free agency. And unless you know they were going to go get Kyle Pitts from Florida, they probably would not be spending high draft capital on a tight end. And the first person they signed in free agency, Seathan Carter, tight end <laughs> from the Cincinnati Bengals. And then they use a third round pick, which I consider you know high draft capital on Hunter Long. Uh, so it shows you how much Chris and I know, but you know, it's funny because I was talking to Travis Wingfield recently and he had mentioned the fact that Chris Greer is always looking for the future. He's looking one year out, two years out, three years out. And there are times where coach Flores actually needs to reel him in and say, that's great. I understand what you're doing long-term, but I need a fourth string center on the practice field this afternoon, or I can't run my <laughs> offensive schemes. And I'm curious with this Hunter long pick because the, the, 
the entire tight ends room, and I think you're right, it was the most successful offensive tight ends room we've ever had in 2020. Uh, I think they're all free agents going into the end of this upcoming year. So this to me seems like a long-term view from Chris Greer to be like, okay, I'm not going to be able to sign Gesicki, Smythe, and Shaheen. I can probably sign one, maybe two of them. And we all know Gasicki's getting the contract before the other two. So what do I do? And I need to think about how I can shore this up with talent, somebody who can block and catch passes. And I think that's where Hunter Long comes in. It seems like a little bit of a luxury pick when we still had some needs on the board. I agree with you there. Um, But the more, the further I am away from that pick, I think I get it. And I think I understand it, especially when you look at 12 personnel. So two tight ends uh, being the most successful that Tua is uh, so mm-hmm. far in, in, his, in his brief career as, as a professional quarterback. Um, I guess adding more talent to that room isn't the end of the world, but I, I'm with you. I remember when that pick came in and there were some other people there that I was hoping that we were going to go out and get uh, Quinn Miners being one of them. And uh, it didn't happen. And I was kind of like, why are we taking a tight end when we have all these awesome tight ends already? So and it was more, it was more for me, like, not like, Oh crap! You know he's a bad player, but it was just right. like, wow! Didn't didn't expect that to to be a pick. So yeah, my yeah. favorite part about that too was uh, all the all the Miami Dolphins fans on Twitter and Reddit and everywhere else who are just so hardcore defend everything the Miami Dolphins do. They're like, he had more catches than Kyle Pitts last year. I'm like, no, he's not better than Kyle Pitts. There's a reason why Hunter Long went in the third <laughs> yeah. round and, and Kyle Pitts yeah. went like third right. overall. You know, it's, it's like it's not the same player. But. Um, what were what were some of the surprises outside of the Miami Dolphins draft? Was there one pick that any other team did that when you're watching the draft, you went, wow, I wish the Miami Dolphins had gotten that guy, or I, I can't believe that team reached for that player. Was there any other surprise moments outside of the Miami Dolphins for you? I guess related to Miami, it would have been when Travis Etienne went to Jacksonville in round one. Um, I had kind of heard through the grapevine that Miami was really high on Travis Etienne and may have taken him in the first round had he come out last year. Yeah. Because um, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the first running back off the board, if I remember right. Yep. Um, so I was kind of surprised, especially given that Jacksonville had James Robinson, who had the breakout year. They had signed Carlos Hyde, who you know played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, and I think he got a relatively decent-sized deal um, you know, from Jacksonville. And then to take another running back – especially one in the first round just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and I, I, I still kind of wonder if, if he would have been the pick or if Miami would have moved back into the, the very end of round one, if, if he was still there. So that one was a little bit surprising to me. Um, other than that, you know, I can't really think of a, a big move. Um, that was too surprising. Um, that would probably be the big one for me. No, and, and it, that dovetails he, nicely. Ian Book getting drafted as early as he did. Uh, I think he was, what, third or fourth round to the Saints? Yeah. That one, that one was a little bit of a, a head scratcher. Yeah, and, you know, but, it, like, you know, going back to the Travis Etienne thing, that's a great point because that seems like a Chris Greer type of pick, right? Somebody that you know has college production, you know is going to bring a certain amount of just statistics when he lines up for you as a player um that wouldn't have surprised me if if he had gotten past jacksonville all of a sudden the miami dolphins are scrambling bundling picks and moving back in for another third round or third first round pick and and getting travis Etienne as well so uh good call on that so in general so we've had the draft we had free agency this team is 10 and 6 you know they i think the rebuild is now officially over if you look at some of the pieces that the Miami Dolphins have started to add. They're not adding young guys anymore. They're adding, you know, old guys in their thirties. And they went from being like the youngest team in the league to middle of the pack, middle of the road. 
And I think the expectation is that it's playoffs or bust in the third year for Brian Flores. And if you look at some of the moves that they made at this offseason, as well as um, the NFL draft, it seems like they are getting those types of players that, okay, this is going to go from a 10 and six team to, I guess, an 11 and six team or, or a 12 and five team uh, with the new schedule. Um, is that what you're seeing as well? I mean, do you think the Miami Dolphins have done enough to get into the crowded AFC playoff picture? I think for the most part they have, like I was talking with um, actually Travis the other day and we were saying like, you know, look at the team two years ago, Jesse Davis was the starting right tackle. Now he's competing for probably what your swing tackle spot. Yeah. So the fact that you can take an established starter because he had started for a couple years under Adam Gase too, before Flores got here. Now he's competing for what figures to be a backup role. Like they've, they put a lot into this team and, you know, I think there's going to be some hard cuts, which maybe we hadn't really had the past three, four, five years. You know, you kind of could tell, okay, unless this guy gets hurt, he's probably on the team or off the team. So I think they're there. I think kind of the one spot I'm still, I wouldn't say worried about, but it seems like they're always kind of fishing as, as running back. You know, they were kind of involved with the Le'Veon Bell thing last year. I don't know how true it is or not, but there was the Jason Lock and Four report that they tried to get in front of Pittsburgh for Najee Harris. There was the thing from Benjamin Albright about how Denver moved in front of them for Javante Williams. And then they wait all the way until, you know, the end of the draft to take a running back. So they seem really wishy-washy there. And, you know, I get it. Like if you look at those Patriots, especially like the first three Super Bowls, they kind of won with a bunch of different running backs, you know, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Kevin Falk. Um, I think Corey Dillon was there for one of them. Maybe I can't remember exactly, but you know, it'd be nice to be able to hang your hat on, you know, one or two guys instead of four. Yeah. Uh, But you know, I I trust what they're doing. And I thought Miles Gaskin had a pretty nice year when he was healthy. I don't think anybody has a problem with Miles Gaskin. I think Miles Gaskin is one of those guys that you root for, especially given his size. And I mean, the dog in that guy is just like unparalleled. You can just tell he's fighting for every yard that he can get. You know, if you can give him a hole, he's going to go make it happen. I mean, look what he did with that catch in the Raiders game where he actually took it to the house. The guy will get to the end zone if you give him a crease. The problem is we haven't been able to do that. And if you look at his size, he's a little bit diminutive when you look at some of the other running backs that are your quote unquote bell cow running backs. And it's funny to me that they keep trying to get running backs, but they're not coming off of whatever their value board is for running backs. So they're not necessarily willing to pay additional to go get a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne. They're going to, if he falls to us, great, but this is where we have him slotted and we're not going up. We're not going to give up draft capital. We're not going to sign somebody to a long-term contract. This is where it is. And if they fall to us, awesome. If not, we're going to go to war with who we have. I mean, I I read an article after, I think, day two of the draft. And I think Chris Greer was quoted as, oh, no, we've totally addressed the running back position. Malcolm Brown's our guy. And I'm like, really? Malcolm Brown's your guy? Because you signed him to a one-year, almost veteran minimum contract. That doesn't really express that you have all, you know, the confidence in the world in Malcolm Brown and everybody else. To me, piggyback off that, though, they sure turned in the card pretty quick for Javon Holland right after Denver took Williams, so. Well, again, I, I think I think as I said on my on the last episode, I think they were writing Javante Williams' name down, and then Denver <laughs> traded up, and they were like already on Javon. They're like, well, I'll just get the safety from Morgan. That's that's what we're going to do instead. Um, no, I mean, look, they 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 love defensive backs. You know, if you look at Brian Flores' track record with the Miami Dolphins, he's going to put defensive backs there. And you'd mentioned that right now, uh, Jesse Davis being one of them, and. 
there ha- I think the wide receiver room even, there's like 12 guys on the roster right now. We're not going to keep 12 wide receivers. We're not going to keep, you know, 15 offensive linemen. We're not going to keep all those defensive backs. Some people are going to be cut. Uh, Some people are going to be traded and it's going to surprise some people. I think Bobby McCain kind of hurt some people right in the fields because of who he was for the Miami Dolphins fan base. Um, But take a stab. Who else do you think could be let go? Who's a possibility that maybe we're not thinking about could be let go at their position because of just the amount of depth the Miami Dolphins have accumulated now? Yeah, um, I know fans probably won't like this name, but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to trade Preston Williams. Um, I mean, he's been a really good player when he's been on the field, but two years in a row, he's only played about half the season, roughly. Um, you have Devonte Parker, who they're basically kind of one in the same now that you have Fuller and Waddle also on board. Um, so he would be one. Uh, to me, you know, maybe you look at a surprise cut, maybe someone like John Jenkins, if some of those younger defensive tackles kind of pan out. Like I know they, they like Benito Jones who was on the practice squad. Um, maybe you get some, some more playing time from Jason Strobridge and guys like that who can play inside a little bit. So maybe, maybe that um, for whatever reason, I think a lot of dolphins tend to love Vince Beagle and I, I'm just like, you know, good story. He seems like a, a, a good dude, but, Andrew Van Ginkle last year totally outplayed what Vince Beagle did in 2019. So there might be a way to get some better depth at linebacker than, you know, relying off a guy coming off an Achilles tear. Um, so those would be kind of my, my surprise ones. And then maybe, you know, it feels like if it was a salary cap thing with Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, they would have done that already, especially that they cut Bobby McCain. But, uh, maybe one of those two or both of those two. I think maybe they just want to see what, what happens in camp and, you know, how Waddle progresses and that type of thing. And maybe they'll do it then, but those would be my, my surprise guys, or I guess bigger names that might get chopped off the roster. There's, there's a couple of citizens of Perfectville that just drove their car right off the road because you said <laughs> Preston Williams, but you said a guy, Preston Williams, I think everyone has an ink on their roster. I have him in pencil. And for all the reasons that you talked about last year, he was an ink guy this year because of the history that we've seen with him in terms of injuries, not only just in the pros, but also in college a little bit, he can't stay healthy. And, you know, they could be two freak injuries, whatever you want to call it. And he's a, an amazing talent. But when you've got Devonte Parker there, you've got Jalen Waddle, who, you know, is going to get reps. They just spent the number six draft pick on him. You've got Will Fuller, who they signed as a free agent. They're going to use him for the year that they have him at, as, at a minimum. And all of a sudden, contract is very team friendly. So. Exactly. And then you've got, you know, talent like Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, Jakeem Grant. I'm not a big fan of him, but he's there. You've got a lot of veterans and then young people like, you know, Kirk Merritt, uh, like uh, uh, the kid that we traded to for out, of, out of the Raiders. I can't think of his name uh, right now. Bowden. Lynn Bowden Jr. You've yeah. got a ton of people there. It would not surprise me because Preston Williams does have a little bit of trade value. You might be able to get like a mid-round draft pick for somebody like that because somebody's going to take a flyer on the talent that has been seen on the field itself and hope that they can keep him um, um, healthy. Uh, it would not surprise me. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned it. We're going to mark the tape because Kevin Dern just put it out there. Preston Williams may be a surprise cut for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And when anybody sees that, if it were to happen, uh, Kevin Dern said it first. He said it before me, but it, I'd had it in pen. I, you, you probably saw me on video there. I'm going, this is a guy that might get cut. <laughs> uh, on the defensive side of the ball, John Jenkins, look, you know, rent, don't buy. Uh, we see how the Miami Dolphins treat free agents. Doesn't yeah. matter if you sign a one-year contract or a five-year contract. They'll cut you the next day if they need to, if they find somebody else. Um, although 
Although he might be safe because he's got J's in his name. And the one thing I've noticed that Chris Greer likes is he likes a guy who's got a J in his name. <laughs> and he's got two, so he might be all right. Uh, but those are, that's a good list right there. Uh, you're listening to Kevin Dern. Uh, writer for DolphinsTalk.com right here on Welcome to Perfectville. Used to host, co-host the Finalysis podcast with Travis Wingfield. Travis Wingfield was actually recently on Perfectville on the last episode. So we're having a little bit of a reunion here over the last couple of weeks as Chris uh, takes a vacation and uh, is at a rugby tournament for his son. Um, a national championship rugby tournament or something like that. So apparently that takes precedence over talking about, you know, draft picks for the Miami Dolphins there, Kevin. Understood. I get it. And, yeah. Understood. <laughs> so, uh, what else is going on with you? I mean, uh, how how is the writing going? Or anything coming up here that you should be uh, telling everybody about? Look, be on the lookout for what coming from Kevin Dern. Yeah. So, um, actually, currently working on a piece right now about you know what has Miami done enough to catch Buffalo? Because, mm. um, like it or not, the Dolphins are zero and four under Brian Flores against the Bills, and two of those games were not particularly close. Um, in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, that's the target now. You know, have they done enough? So working on that, that should be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, have a couple of different things going on um, outside of writing about football that, you know, working on um, getting the daughter into uh, swim lessons. She's a year old now, so that's been kind of fun, you know, paying to teach her how to float in the pool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh you know, aside from that, just doing some uh, getting ready to, to try and uh, sell our house, move to a, a little bit bigger location and uh, doing some home projects. So that's what I've got going on. Yeah, I can't wait for the piece on DolphinsTalk.com about your, uh, your your daughter's freestyle, you know, and just like, you know, how, how what's her swim <laughs> technique like and if she's going to be a prospect in the uh, twenty. 20- 40 draft for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it mentioned, you mentioned the Bills. I, I mean, for me, I've, I've, I, everyone who listens to the show knows that that is a team that I hate more than any other team, more than the Patriots, more than the Jets. I am a Bills hater, uh, mainly because I grew up in the 90s and watched Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, James Lofton, Kent Hull, uh, Daryl Talley, Bruce Smith, and all those guys um, just completely destroy Dan Marino's hopes and dreams of getting back to the Super Bowl year in and year out. Um, so I hate the Bills. And the fact that they are good again uh, bothers me greatly the thing that bothers me the most though is that it's not i don't think they're a fluke i think they're actually a good team and case in point yeah week 17 i think people forget we lost 56 to 26 we were winning after the first quarter three to nothing so so they outscored (laughs) us 56 to 23 in 45 minutes and that was just how i mean they were scoring more than a point a minute that is absolutely insane and they did it uh with everything already wrapped up i mean they already had everything wrapped up we were fighting for our lives to get into the playoffs and they boat raced us and uh that's the part that scares me matt barkley is the quarterback (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, in the second half when it was all wrapped up, but yeah, they scored 56 points in 45 minutes and I just went, oh, we're going to have a problem for a while. I mean, and the Patriots aren't exactly pushovers and the Jets seem like they're finally starting to figure out the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Adam Gase is kind of like that head coach. Uh, version of what good luck Chuck so like there's the guy that all the girls date and then they get their you know they get married after that right he's the last boyfriend before they find their husband Adam Gase seems like the the last bad head coach before a team kind of finally figures out this is how we need to do it and uh, he he may set up to both the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets to for better days uh, simply by being so bad and uh, pointing everybody else in the opposite and right direction but yeah yeah it could be so um it kind of feels like, you know, a couple of years ago when um, Jim Harbaugh was still in San Francisco, the NFC West was kind of the big dog, maybe still is, 
with some of those teams, but kind of feels like the AFC East is trending towards that. Um, especially now that, you know, Buffalo's rebuilt new England, I think has moved on a little bit in the life after Brady. And, you know, I respect what Joe Douglas has, has done so far. They still have to put it together on the field, but like you said, it seems like they're, they're on a path that is going somewhere rather than the Adam Gase plan. Yeah. And well, last thing, I mean, you, you mentioned it, you, you wrote the article, so check it out on dolphinstalk.com when it drops, but um, uh, without giving any spoilers away, have the Miami Dolphins done enough where Dolphins fans everywhere are going to be excited come January? Uh, is, this a, is this a team that has playoffs on their schedule in 2021? I think they are in the playoffs, yes. I don't know if they've done enough to catch Buffalo, but I think they're, I think they're in. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Preston Williams cut, and they will be Super Bowl champions, according to Kevin Dern. You heard it here. On welcome to Perfectville. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us back here in the town of Perfectville. It's always good catching up with you. Like I said, one of the most underrated followers or follows, actually, Kevin Dern. If you're not following him on Twitter, if you're not reading his stuff on dolphinstock.com, please do. Uh, he's one of the best out there. And uh, uh, he really should deserve to, to have a, like all the praise from all the different tall fans out there on, on social media. So, Kevin, thank you very much. Admit it, citizens of Perfectville, during this entire COVID-19 global pandemic, you have bought at least one thing from Amazon.com. Admit it. It's okay. We're all friends here. We all live in the same town of Perfectville. I've bought things from Amazon.com. The only difference is when I buy, I go to welcometoperfectville.com first and click the link that takes me to Amazon.com. And why do I do that? Because every time you do that, it takes you to the same exact Amazon.com, same exact shopping experience. But by clicking the link on welcometoperfectville.com first, it sends a couple of dollars to your favorite town of Perfectville. That's right. Helps keep the lights on, so to speak. And there is no hidden fees. There is no extra charges. It's the same exact shopping experience of Amazon.com by way of welcometoperfectville.com. So as you sit down and check out the new 2021 Miami Dolphins schedule, look at all the draft picks that the Dolphins got just a couple of weeks ago and wonder which jersey you're going to get from Amazon.com, make sure you go to welcometoperfectville.com first and click the link. That's Amazon.com by way of welcometoperfectville.com. And we're back. Special thanks to Kevin Dern for joining us, returning to the town of Perfectville, the town that he helped join, found, whatever you want to say, create all those years ago. Now writing for DolphinsTalk.com, criminally underrated as a follow, as an analyst for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Chris, what do you think of Kevin Dern returning to the town of Perfectville? Yeah, return for the Dern. That was great. Uh, I'm glad he was able to fill in him and Travis. Uh, I would like to say didn't miss a beat, but not as funny as me, but, and, and Travis's Leda was a little kind of off, like as racing point pointed out, I appreciate that. Uh, but good, good stuff. Good. You know, I watched the HBK Shawn Michaels documentary on A&E last week and, uh, you always need a good tag team partner. So, uh, yeah, he's my, he's my Janetti. So I appreciate it. <laughs> I just won't put you through a barbershop glass in the future. Uh, that is a that is a rolling deep kind of deep cut wrestling reference right there. Some people appreciate that. Others are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're YouTube gonna, it. They're going to have some questions for you, but that's okay because not only are they going to have questions for you, Chris. I have questions for you. You have questions for me. We have what we're going to call in our new segment so many questions. And these questions pertain to the Miami Dolphins, the players, the staff, the fans, the team, the NFL in general. 15 minutes on the board. Chris, are you ready to answer some questions? Yes, sir. I put on my quiz cap on. Well, there you go. He's got his quiz cap on. I have so many questions, Chris. And the first one is about the wide receiver room. You heard Kevin Dern talk about perhaps maybe Preston Williams maybe being a trade 
piece for the Miami Dolphins because of all the talent that they brought in this offseason for the wide receiver room, just like we thought they would. You know, last season, Chris, we thought, we thought, well, if it's not Devontae Parker and it's not Preston Williams, who is it for the Miami Dolphins? That's not the case this year, Chris. This year, the Miami Dolphins have Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Kirk Merritt, Lynn Bowden Jr., and three or four others. I think they have 12 different wide receivers on the team right now. Now, we're going to keep more than five wide receivers like we traditionally do, but we're not going to keep 12. So my question, Chris, is what does this wide receiver room look like come week one for the Miami Dolphins? How does this shake out? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, Waddle, Fuller, and Parker are absolutely there. So if you said we're going to keep more than five, let's call it six. So we can make an even number there. Um, one guy that stood out to me and stands out to me um, is obviously um, Albert Wilson. You know, he took he took the year off. Supposedly, he come out and uh, came out and looks uh, even better than he did before pre-COVID. So uh, Albert Wilson, if you guys. <laughs> For God, go watch his highlights. That guy can turn a five-yard pass into a 50-yard touchdown on a dime. That's something that we really want on this offense, and that's something that fits Tua Tungavailoa's throwing and quarterback uh, merit like completely perfectly. Quick slants, quick routes, get the ball out of his hands, just like at Alabama, and let your receivers do all the hard work. Albert Wilson fits that. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he's number four. He's making the team. I think Albert Wilson fits the team. They want weapons. They want guys that you can put out there to pair with Gusecki and Parker, the big um, uh, mismatched guys on the smaller corners. They want speed underneath, and that's going to fit that with Fuller and Waddle as well. Plus, that makes sure you don't overload Jalen Waddle as a rookie who might also be doing kick and punt return duties. So that's four on my docket. One, uh, add our fifth here. I'm going to go out and say Preston Williams. I think this team likes Preston Williams. I think Brian Flores likes him. I think the organization does. Dern made a great point. You made a good point. His injury history is is tough. So I would put I'd pencil him in at five. Um, moving on to six, this is tough. And this is where... Man, you got Hearns, you've got Hollins, you've got um, Jakeem Grant, who's got a great rapport with Tua Tungavailoa that worked all offseason with him. Um, this is tough. Alan Hearns, I really liked when he played for us. I think a lot of what Alan Hearns does helps uh, a young quarterback. Uh, he comes back to the ball. He, he gets open um, in big, uh, big spots and third down. Um, I, I think with... Waddle coming in, having the opportunity to be a punt returner, be a kick returner, and you got the you know, Miles Gaskins as well. Jakeem Grant is going to be somebody's cap ca- cap casualty of some sorts and cut. I think it's going to come down to uh, contracts and how they want to work the roster. But I'll call it right now, number six. I think Jakeem Grant gets the boot, and uh, we're going to actually keep the two guys that um, bailed out on COVID, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. I think a lot of people forget. Uh, how good they were for us and what they did. Uh, and, and they're going to make the team. See, that floors me because I would have said a year ago, there's no way Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns are ever suiting up for the Miami Dolphins again, especially when you consider Alan Hearns signed a two-year contract right before the 2020 season. So he had a one-year contract with us, re-upped, got a two-year contract, sat out, opted to sit out. Again, no harm, no foul. We all understand why. But to me, it seemed like, okay, well, you just lost your opportunity because we got all these young wide receivers that they're going to have on the job training with when it comes to Kirk Merritt, when it comes to Lynn Bowden Jr., when it comes to even people like Mac Hollins. You know, they brought Mac Hollins back. And the one thing that I do know about the Miami Dolphins, even though I have so many questions, is that 
signing somebody in free agency doesn't mean you're going to see the life of that contract. Doesn't even mean you're going to see the majority of the life of that contract. I mean, Kyle Van Oy says hello. Uh, so Alan Hearns signing that two year contract and then sitting out for one of those years to me, Sends like okay, he could be cut if there's if there's one to be the veterans that are going to be cut. I think he gets cut before Albert Wilson. I think you're right. I think Albert Wilson makes this team at least to start. I think he's going to be there. I think we are going to keep six, maybe seven. Something to keep in mind. We have 17 games this year. Uh, you still have COVID out there in terms of people getting sick and maybe missing a game or two. Will Fuller is out week one because of his suspension that carried over from last year. So I think we're going to start with six or seven wide receivers, which really helps this team, this squad because we're going to we have so much depth right now but I just don't see like you Jakeem Grant making this team. I think he's redundant with everything else that's out there. Uh, I don't see all those young guys like Kirk Merritt, like Lim Bowden Jr. I don't see all of them making the team because I think you're right Preston Wilson, Williams last year was our number 2. This year at best I think he's number 4, if yes. not number 5. And that's why I think like Kevin said he could be trade bait because is he more valuable to you as the number 4 or number 5 guy? Or is he more valuable to you as a fourth or fifth round draft pick that you can, you know, shore up something else next season? I don't know. But I do think there's going to be a shakeup there. I think you will see a surprise in the wide receiver room. I just don't know who it's going to be. But my mind says Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams. My thing is with this is Preston Williams, what does he do? He does what Devontae Parker does. And we have Gasecki and we have all the speed now. Uh, so you start kind of pairing up guys and, and at the top of the depth chart and then the bottom and you say, all right, who's going to you know replace whom? If they're in the one big thing that's going to come into play, Sam, and you mentioned it with Preston Williams, but people got to talk to, not just the suspension for Will Fuller, he's got the injury bug as well in his career. And you're talking about 17 games. You're talking about already week one, we don't have Will Fuller. So that, in my opinion, is really why Albert Wilson's my guy that's going to definitely stick around because he's like kind of that that Will Fuller role. Not as good, but he can be the Will Fuller role if he's hurt, if he misses a game, which he will week one. So I think also you look at age, you look at things like Kurt Merrick, you look at Malcolm Perry, you look at Lynn Bowden Jr. You can stash those guys on a practice squad still um, if they don't make the team. And if we need to call them up, we know they, they have game reps and they can play. The biggest thing this season, Sam, is going to be those three preseason games. Yeah. Those guys at the bottom of that roster, at the bottom of that depth chart, if we're going to keep more, you force them to cut one of those tight ends and keep an extra receiver. That's what you do. You, what can you bring to the table? Um, I think the gadget tree, if that's a word of Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry, uh, will be helpful for them making the team for the things they can do. They can, We you know run those reverses, those passes, things like that quick shifty guys underneath. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. It's hard to call who's going to do what when half of them didn't even show up to the first day of voluntary, voluntary uh, mini camp uh, with preseason to come. But if I had to go out on a limb, I think the reason they re-signed Alan Hearns after already having him in the locker room and seeing him play is they like what he brings to the table. Uh, so in, I have a question too, after I finish up here, um, I, that's why I think Alan Hearns and, and Albert Wilson are going to round that out uh, with the, a possibility of Lynn Bowden Jr. probably being that seventh guy if we keep the seventh. But let me ask you this. After he signed that two-year contract, I, I don't know if you know off the top of the hand, maybe the, the Perfectville uh, uh, citizens can tweet us after they listen to this, but uh, does that contract year count if he sat out due to COVID? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know either. I do think that they were not paid or they were paid something, you know, some sort of stipend. So I'm, I'm assuming it rolls over because they opted out, but I actually don't know. And I'm sure somebody, one of the citizens of Perfectville, like you said, uh, will help us out there and let us know. So he either has one or two more 
more years. I'm not sure. Uh, the thing you mentioned about Kirk Merritt and, uh, and, and some of the other guys, Lynn Bowden Jr., you said stash him on the practice squad. My problem is I don't think those guys are going to make it to the practice squad. I think if we release them, they're going to be picked up by somebody else and on an active roster somewhere else. So, you know, that's the problem, too, is like, do you keep those guys because, you know, down the road, they're really going to help us out. But, you know, you're going to lose them if you put them, you know, try to cut them and put them on the practice squad. Um, you know, decisions, decisions. But it's a good decision and a good problem to have because last year we didn't have enough talent. And this year, I think in the wide receiver room specifically, Chris, we have almost too much talent and we got to figure out what we're going to do with it. But that's one of the questions that we have here on so many questions is where we're going to be. Chris, do you have any questions for me? I do have one. So, Sam, we've been um, oddly nationally uh, respected and, and, and appreciated from the big wigs, uh, mostly, uh, throughout the NFL for what Chris Greer has done in the draft with our, our, our maneuvering of draft picks and capital and guys that we've selected with Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle in the first and Javon Holland in the second round. And even Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame shoring up a spot there at tackle. If he can step in and do so, Sam, are you okay with us being nationally lauded as opposed to the national, no one talks about us. They sleep on us. Which would you rather uh, be as a fan base? You know, I've, I've stated on here multiple times about how the no good, very bad national media does not respect the Miami Dolphins. And it was time that they started. And then, of course, the Miami Dolphins would go out the week after I would make that tirade and lay a complete fucking egg and lose like 42 to 10. So, you know, I'm not the one that necessarily should be the keeper of the keys as to when they should be respecting us. I will say this. I think the national media respecting the Miami Dolphins has less to do with what we're doing on the field. I mean, it has something to do with it, right? I mean, when you win games, you are successful in this league. Therefore, people are going to respect that success. But I think it has a lot to do with that culture change that has happened throughout the Miami Dolphins organization from the bottom up and the top down. I mean, we're not just talking about the right players and the right coaches. We're talking about the right GM in Chris Greer. We're talking about the right you know, vice president in Tom Garfinkel and an owner, Chris, that when he took over the team, was not necessarily, Stephen Ross is who I'm talking about, was not necessarily what I'd consider a good owner. He made some really bad mistakes, like having University of Florida Day in the stadium where University of Miami plays their games. Uh, doing that when Tim Tebow is the starting quarterback of the opposing team for the Miami Dolphins so when you have University of Florida. And that's a bad thing to do, right? I mean, chasing Jim Harbaugh when you already have a coach on staff is a bad thing to do when you're Stephen Ross. But he's learned from those. You talk about on-the-job training for the wide receivers. He has been an on-the-job trainer for being an owner. And not only is he now considered what I, what I think is a good owner for the Miami Dolphins, but he is a powerful voice in the owners' meetings at the NFL level. So you talk about somebody who not only has respect of, you know, the other owners and the league, but the the journalists see that. The national media sees that. They see that from other people who talk to Stephen Ross, who then talk to them. You see what Chris Greer does and how he conducts himself and how he continues to just accumulate picks and then take players that have very, very high floors, right? So, I mean, they may not be superstars, but they're going to be good, solid NFL players for a very long time. And then, of course, Brian Flores. Nobody can say a bad thing about the guy because he's just high character all the time. So, yeah, I think that the the, the national media praising the Miami Dolphins is good and just but it's not because we're winning games and you know taking super bowl rings it's because the team itself has become a model on how to be a professional organization and i think the national media is getting that and getting the respect that they feel they deserve from the team as well and it's a kind of a quid pro quo sort of thing 
I agree. And I, I, I like it. I like being, uh, getting national positive attention for once. It's nice, uh, to have guys like the Marcus Spears and Dan Orvlosky's and things like that coming out. And they're like loving what we're doing. Um, the experts, a lot of the times these guys like the Colin Cowherds and the, uh, which we've said his name way too much on this episode. Uh, although that might've been the first, uh, record non record. <laughs> episode maybe that's the first time we mentioned Colin Gowherd. um anyway or the skip bayless i don't care what they say but they get the former players and like us actually getting like you know highlights of our practices shown on these national programs and stuff i really like it i, I think i think it's nice it is nice and it's one of the reasons why you and i started the show is that we weren't getting national coverage at least not favorably so you know the only bad part about them speaking positive positively about the miami dolphins and getting more nationally televised games you know more primetime games is that it makes you and i obsolete because now people can get their news from just about everywhere so maybe i hate it now in retrospect there chris but uh all kidding aside i have one more question for you on so many questions and this has to do with the influx of old farts that the miami dolphins have now had on their team now last year they were either the youngest team or the second youngest team just about all season long. They only had one guy over the age of 30, and that was Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was 38. He's now off the team with the Washington football team. Uh, but now Ryan Fitzpatrick is gone. But we're now we're not only not the youngest team or the second youngest, we're like in the middle of the pack here, Chris. We're like 12th, 13th, 14th youngest team in the league, right in the middle. We've got a bunch of old fogies, 31, 32, 34 years old. We have people on this team here, Chris. What do you make of the Miami Dolphins bringing in all these quote-unquote veterans and old quote-unquote veterans at that? I know we joke that we don't want guys over 30 on this team and everything, but every once in a while you need a few good guys. Like McCordy come in. That's a good locker room guy. He's going to help out, um, you know, Javon Holland and um, uh, Owen Nnamagnabi and things like that. So, like, it's good to bring those kind of guys in. I'm okay with you sprinkling them on. I don't want too many to come in and they bring that poisonous just – and I don't want to say poisonous, but you know, there's that time like at work. Sometimes they'll they'd rather bring in somebody fresh with no experience, so they don't have to unlearn bad habits. So you right. can teach them how you want them to be. You want to bring in all these young guys and just hey, this is how the NFL is, and that's all Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle and J- Javon Holland are going to know. But every once in a while, you need to bring in a good old dog to kind of keep everybody else at bay. Uh, especially in a city like Miami, like, you know, they're going to go be in the locker room, leaving training camp and be like, what's everybody up to? And McCordy's like, I'm going to go home with my family and swim in the pool. And they're like, Oh, we're going to Tootsie. Should we not do that? And he's like, Mm-mm, preseason game tomorrow guys. And you're like, Oh, okay. You know, you kind of need that. So um, I'm okay with it. Just don't go over the top. Uh, it was kind of cool last year when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the old guy by a huge margin. He was literally like grandpa Fitzy. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was guys on the Miami Dolphins that went to grade school with Ryan Fitzpatrick's oldest kids. I mean, that was like the age disparity between him well, and That's like Trevor else. Lawrence came out today and said he used to play uh, NCAA football with Tim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> like like the video game and other teammates like it's it's so you only want a few of those not not too many yeah, not too many. And you look at the way the Miami Dolphins are actually handling veterans, too. They're kicking the tires on people like Malik Hooker and Melvin Ingram, uh, but not necessarily signing them right away, where I think in years past we'd be you know, falling over the table to sign these guys because their names and they've been in the league for a while. But we're not doing that anymore. We're looking to see if they're a good fit, maybe putting a people on notice from, um, you know, that are on the team that are a little bit younger that we think maybe need a little bit of a kick in the butt. But uh, either way, that's 15 minutes of so many questions here, Chris. We'll do this again before too long. Um, But that's our episode here, Chris. Welcome to Perfectville. Uh, Anything you'd like to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm good with Kevin Dern doing a segment every time to give me uh, a lot less time. No, no, I wouldn't. I love being here, man. This is great. I love being back. Neck pillow back on. It's time to go snooze and watch some basketball. All right. Well, you go watch some basketball. And on behalf of myself and everyone else at the Believe Podcast Network, goodbye from Perfectville. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.